And welcome to another Scots We Hate podcast. And the song you've just heard is Night Terrors from Viva La Rose. And today I'm going to be talking to David Luxeman Herbert, who basically is Viva La Rose. Is that fair enough to say, David? Yeah, no, that's fair. That's yeah. It's a, a kind of umbrella term to kind of catch whatever I'm, whatever I'm doing. So we're going to um, talk a little bit about your latest album, um, a For She Who Hangs the Moon, which is a terrific title. Um, and later tonight, we're at Cabaret Voltaire to record this. You're going to be having the launch, Edinburgh launch? Yeah. Okay, so we had a, we had a launch in London on Thursday, which was uh, dramatic. Oh, yes. Well, How so? My, uh, my, my wife's uh, coming up six months pregnant. Uh, so she unfortunately took a bit of a funny turn on Thursday just before the gig. Um, so, uh, yeah, so ambulances were called about 30 minutes before we were due to, due to go on stage. And it was all a bit, yeah, like I say, dramatic. Everyone's happy and healthy and, oh, and, and fine so that was a uh, and we, we managed to get on and do the gig in the end <laughs> the show did go on she did uh, yeah she was very adamant that I was doing it um, so I'm hoping that nobody kind of gets taken away in an ambulance <laughs> so, like, there's so. no you know there's no paramedics or anything so yeah this is a yeah of course the, the Edinburgh Lodge so I um, first the album first came to my attention when um, Ellie from A Badge From Friendship mm-hmm. got in touch and said 
listened to the single Shahalion, which I think is the right name. Is that the yeah, right yeah, yeah. And um, I just immediately loved it and thought, oh, oh, this, is, this is a, a great single. I was saying to you before we started, there's certainly, every now and again, a record comes through and you hear it and you think, oh yeah, I really get this. I really love this. Um, it's happened recently with um, a band called L Space, another mm-hmm. Edinburgh band called Half Fun Things, that you know immediately from the first single you kind of go, yeah, I really want to hear more of this. And you were kind enough to send me the rest of the, ah. the album, which I, I've been playing pretty much um, ever since. Um, now, I know from having done these before that one of the worst questions you can ask uh, a musician is, how would you describe your music? So I'm not going to do that. I'm hoping that over the next oh, thank you. few minutes, oh, thank you. as we uh, talk about the record, that may um, come through. But I thought what we maybe could talk about was some of the themes that are on the record and how um, this record kind of came about. Yeah, I, th- well, I think all told, it's taken about three years. I think from the point where I decided to to do it, and I think at, just before that, I didn't really know, didn't really have a direction, or I didn't have a band, and I had no intention of making a record. I kind of thought I was done. I thought, right. that, was, I thought that was it, and I put out a little single, and it didn't really, nothing really happened with it. And my wife had said to me, "Well, why are you disappointed? Was it the best thing that you could have done?" Did you put the effort into it? And uh, in all in all honesty, I hadn't right. really done that, and it probably wasn't the best thing that I could have done at the time. And, um, so I, at that point, I was like, "Well, maybe maybe I'm kind of done with it." And then okay. I and I wrote a couple of songs back to back that just kind of that arrived fully formed. And the first one was the was my shadow, and it was about it's it's kind of a, an unrequited love song, mm-hmm. but the the subject of the song isn't another person is actually my songwriting right okay or the, my sort of craft or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it I have the idea of kind of chasing that or trying not to scare that away or will it you know will it come back to you will you you know have you kind of got the the, the drive to to continue doing sure, it really? sure so kind of wrote that and the watchmaker back to back and I was like all oh, right okay well, we've got something we've got something here and then the kind of two grew, grew into four four and six and I was like okay we've got kind of the, the bulk of a record here and in terms of themes it was there was a lot about kind of that sense of running out of time or yeah. trying to find the time to do the things that you really want to do Yeah. and kind of feeling a little bit older not being sort of 21 again or 21 anymore rather and yeah having, having jobs and still trying to make make enough time to do the things that you want to do and kind of eke out that little bit that's important to you I think I mean the, I'm glad because that's the sort of stuff that I've uh, uh, read into it. Um, looking back, growing up and growing older, um, reflection and uh, responsibilities and all of these yeah. things. And I think it's one of the reasons that it kind of chimed with me so much when I heard the whole record was that here was a song that, or a set of songs that, I mean, some of them are quite different. You know, it opens with uh, as you, the song you just said, yeah. Night Terrors, which is piano and, and your voice. Um, but then some have kind of bigger arrangements and the strings and yeah. brass and things. But what I think is that there's always a kind of singular voice and vision behind the whole thing. Um, if you had these initial songs, I mean, how did you did you know that they were going to be a collective whole like that? Um, I think once I got the first few, I, I knew that I wanted to try and make something that would hold together and it would be a bit of a narrative that ran all the way through and Night Terrors was actually the last thing that was written for it oh that's interesting so it starts with the last thing that was written 
and it ends with the first thing that was written for the record. So it's a bit back to front. It feels like a, for want of a better word, a proper album to me. And it, 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 what I mean by that is a full set of songs that kind of all feed into each other. Um, again, is that just because you had these themes that you wanted to write about? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just there's a, there's a kind of mix of songs in the albums of on the album rather of songs that are worked and reworked and kind of almost excavated over time and really kind of zoned in a lot of the on the arrangements. And then there were some that that happened really really quickly. And I, I think the ones that happen really really quickly are usually the ones that are that are better and a bit more immediate. So the ones that kind of happened, the ones that were written further into the, the, the writing of the whole thing are probably the ones that I I love all the more, to be honest. That's probably why Night Terrors is right at the front of the record, because it's... Yeah. Something that you really wanted to, yeah, yeah. people to hear first. I, I mean, it's, it makes for a great opener to the record, definitely. So this idea that you had that you wanted to... Uh, re-engage with your own muse if you want to, mm. to put it that way you know to, to your own songwriting abilities was that something that the more that you um, the songs came the easier it seemed to be was a kind of like um, an old relationship that has been rekindled yeah there. I think so it gave me a lot of confidence I think I think once I got the first few in the back I was like these are actually these are pretty good yeah. you know, these, are, these are probably the best things that I've done in my, you know, however long I'd been, I'd been writing for, and I was like, well, if I am going to make a record, we should probably make it the best thing that we could, po- we could possibly do, yeah. and throw, throw everything at it. Yeah. So previously, if I'd done any kind of recording, then it was kind of scratching, it was kind of on using favors of, or having favors of friends, and mm-hmm. got, they were all sound engineers. So if they had any downtime at studios, we could kind of sneak in and do bits here and there. But with this, I was like. There has to be a focus to this, and we need to go and book sessions and do it properly. Needs to. Um, I wanted to get it done as quickly as possible as well, and not spend too long over it. It still took me eighteen months recording <laughs> it, so I never quite managed that. But but I think that's it's really interesting because I think it is a very confident record. But I also think it sounds effortless, and I always find that when people either sound or do something that appears effortless there's a hell of a lot of work that's gone in the yeah. background of it and that's uh, you know it's like I don't know remember there's a great video online of Maradona doing keepy up and he's battering <laughs> it up in the air and you know it just looks like it's the most natural thing in the world you think how many times yeah how many times has he practiced that <laughs> yeah um, is, that, is that fair enough there's a lot of work has went into this I, I would hazard the guess that's the first time I've been compared to Maradona <laughs> there you uh, go put that on the yeah exactly um yeah, no, I think I think um, I'm not. Uh, I'm a naturally gifted musician, and I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a great guitarist. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I haven't had any kind of musical education or anything. I don't know the ins and outs of any instrument. I really kind of learned. I had to learn to play the piano for this because I knew that there was going to be a lot of piano on there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that was again just a lot of repetition, lots of sort of. Uh, it was relearning a lot of stuff. That's really interesting. So you, because a lot of people would have going, well, I'll go and get someone who can play piano. Yeah. Just ask them to do it. But you really wanted to be as hands on with this yeah. as possible. Yeah, I, I always wanted to learn to play the piano properly, yeah. and I'd, I'd just never given it the attention. And I still, you know, I can just about point out a C <laughs> on the piano, and that's about it. My the, one of the guys that plays with us, he just calls me a savage because I have no, even the, the basics of music knowledge, I've got no no real clue about. So a lot of it is just having to spend the time and work out 
work out the arrangements and kind of piece that together. So you learn the, the bits of music for that specific song and for these specific songs rather yeah. than say, well now I can go and you know play Scott Joplin or something. Yeah, I can't. Like, I can't improvise. Or yeah. I, the only things that I can play on the piano are my songs. I don't know anything else on yeah. the piano, and it's I know like two covers on the guitar. It's all this. It's, 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 really it's always been that way. Uh-huh. Um, I to the point where because there's like a guy called Terry that plays brass on this as well and he kind of came in like the wolf from Pulp Fiction <laughs> he turns up in a full suit and he has the case he comes in and he's there for about two hours and he just comes in and blasts it but uh, he's like a consummate professional and I was like well, what, what do you want me to do and I whistled in his face I just had to whistle the parts and say this is, this is what it is so I could hear it, but I couldn't tell yeah. what, it, what it was. It sounds a little bit like Joey the Lips and the, the commitments it yeah. turns up with it. <laughs> Very much. Um, <coughs> so, in terms of um, collaboration, as you say, someone come in and do the brass, um, what else? Because it, it is nearly all you. From what I looked at the credits before I, we came through, and it is pretty much you. It's yeah, there's quite a, yeah, apart from the, the things that I can't play. Yeah. So the, the drums and the, some double bass on there. Um, so I don't play and the strings yeah. certainly in the brass and that's beautiful it. strings on, on the record they really are um, so I, I like the idea that even though um, perhaps there were things that you couldn't do you, you did you produce it all yourself as well? no there's a guy called um, Ollie Betts right. so he's the guy he's one of, he's a drummer in the Duke Spirit right oh yes and someone put me in touch with him just to do a, a drum session because at that point I was kind of doing it on my own I think I met him actually. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. Tall guy. Yes. Yes. He's the nicest man in uh, music. He's just yeah, I he's I love him a bit. Um, and he ended up getting more heavily involved because we we're only going to do the drums, and then he's got a little studio in East London, and I just booked him to do more and more, and then we kind of came up with it together. And my friend Simon, who's Brian Ferry's or one of his engineers the bits at his place and he kind of got involved so between us we kind of, wow. kind of pieced, it, pieced it together that must be really happening that people think well, this, this is worth us doing more than you initially asked us to do yeah I think I, it was love. It, it seemed like everyone I was asking to do it said yes I would send them the, the rough demos of the tracks and the, the guy that did the strings Colin Elliott as well who was a, like a wild card like I kind of emailed him out of the blue because I loved his stuff because he did Cole's Corner oh right Richard Richard Holly. oh wow uh, which is one of my favourite records. I thought, if I do want strings in this, who am I going to ask to do it? And I'd never met him. I just sent him an email and said, oh, do you fancy, would you be interested in doing this? <laughs> Not expecting to get a response. Yeah, so sure. I got back and said, yes. And it seemed like everyone was kind of asking, kind of came back and were... were and was doing. that without hearing any tracks? Or did just you a, send Just them? the rough demos. Yeah, so they had... Heard the, yeah. Well. Um, so that was quite hard. And I was like, all right, well, we must be onto something because people are kind of... No, they didn't do it for free. But no, they're, no, they're no. Still, you know, they're still taking it on, and they still want to, still want to work. They're still it. putting their name towards it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, not, you know, they were, they were. I don't think they were charging me top dollar either as well, which was, which was very nice. So no, it was, uh, it was lovely. Um, so what about a influences, musical influences on on, on the record? Because um, whenever you read uh, press releases or stuff, there's always like, you know, could sounds a bit like that or sounds yeah. a bit like this. And what I've often found when I do reviews uh, is I'll often say, well, I think, you know, it sounds a bit like this person and the folk will get in touch and say, I've never heard of them. How can it possibly yeah. be influenced? Is that what you found? Kind of, uh, yeah. Some, well, 
people that say, oh, it sounds like this, or it sounds like, oh, I hear the flaming lips, and it's like, oh, I've never really listened to the flaming lips. It's never yeah. something that's been on my yeah. on my radar all, the, all that much. Or people say that sounds a bit like Seeger Ross. It's like, oh, okay, I never, I wouldn't have thought that. Or no, that's interesting. So it's interesting when people kind of come to you and tell you what they what, hear. Yeah, it. I guess that's good because you put it out there yeah. and those people kind of interpret in their own ways. There's one um, band, a particular record that I hear when it's um, the Mercury Rev record um, and I think it's because there seems to me we've talked a little bit about themes uh, um, personal themes I would say but there also seems to be stuff about space yeah. and, and yeah. you know a kind of space in all its meanings you know I think there's space in the music allowing it yeah. you know and there's also uh, when you've got a sample from GFK yeah. speaking which I declare from NASA I believe uh, well yeah it's like, a, it's like a public license thing oh is it I, I was hope. wondering how you got that I hope <laughs> Um, yeah, because I, I looked that up and I thought, is it as easy as this? Why can I get? A, can I use the former president's voice on this? Like, okay. yeah. um, president, president, president might have something to say. Yeah, um, but ho- hopefully that's all right, and I'm not going to get sued by NASA anytime soon. Um, no, there is. There was. A, it was more about um, this. I guess the sense of hope adventure and I kind of I didn't want to be too scared about kind of tackling big themes on a couple of the tunes as well so a lot of them are very personal and other ones kind of go as kind of big in terms of themes as, as you can get really yeah so um, why was that why was, was it part of the same thing really I think it was about I think I was quite as a lot of people kind of down and hacked off about politics mm-hmm. whatever Whatever state, be that the Scottish referendum or the Brexit vote or the states, whatever it was, everything just became increasingly negative, and I became um, a bit despondent about that. And the idea is, well, if we all kind of pulled our resources, and you know, rather than focusing on our own little pocket of the world and our own politics and actually focus them outwards yeah. as a as a species, what what could you achieve? Which is quite a lofty kind of thought. But um, you know what? What could we do? So the uh, fire um, before we lose the light, rather. It's just it's, it's about that. You know, yeah. kind of set all that aside together. What could you actually? What could you actually achieve? Um, it's a bit. It all gets a bit Star Trek. <laughs> to be honest. Well, I, well, I mean, I, I thought it was part of the reflection on the self, but also you know putting yourself in uh, in the context of a wider, you know whatever people want to call it just a kind of wider being of being mm. connected with other people and all those things what I got from the record again I think it's one of the reasons I connected with it is a kind of world weariness but still hopeful <laughs> yeah hope, Yeah, there's still hope. hopefully yeah. I, 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 not to say I hope that there is hope in the yeah. record but that's that is, that's the case I think. Yeah. I don't, the songs are all quite quiet and can be a bit melancholy but I think they're all I there is hope in, in yeah. a lot of the lyrics, hopefully. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, and I, I would say as well, that I think the first time I, I listened to it, I kind of just listened to the music and your voice and all those things, and then subsequently you start to really kind of, you know, live in the lyrics and you understand them. And the little things you notice, like one of the songs, um, there's Birdsong sample yeah. at the beginning and things like that. That was, just, that was purely by chance in that there was already a line in the song about a bird singing a tree. I was recording the vocals at home, and I could hear. I had. I must have had the window open, and I could hear the birds coming through the microphone outside, in the in the headphones. Like, oh, come on, it's can't, can't, it's can't, can't be that simple. Uh, so I ended up hanging the microphone out the window and recording the birds outside, and then that was. But it, it kind of 
because there is so much space in the track yeah. for some reason it kind of pulls everything together which is a really subtle thing of having the birds underneath yeah. the underneath the track it's kind of well, that's what I would say about the production of it is even when there are um, strings and horns and stuff it never feels too much it never feels um, that things are clashing with each other in any way whatsoever everything's given its space mm -hmm. to kind of make the point that you probably want to use it to, to make yeah. um, so if other people's influences when they say um, I, I'm reminded of this or this and it's a surprise I've got a few more I might mention yeah. later what were yours? What who are your kind of musical influences in that? Um, I don't know if anyone will hear it on the on the yeah. on the record. That's the thing. But the first thing that I heard that I kind of went, if I could capture something of this, um, I think we've got something. And it's a Miles Davis tune called Generique. Right. Keris Matthews played it on a Sunday. Okay. It's just this really kind of smoky. Sounds like it was recorded at two in the morning in a little jazz club. Something. Right. I think. It was just there was something about that. So that's where the brass thing comes yeah. from, and a couple of the tracks. It doesn't, they don't sound particularly alike, but I think that kind of triggers something. But I think there's definitely that kind of either late night or early morning feel about it. Yeah. You know, slightly sleepy, slightly lazy. Lazy is the long term, but you know what I mean. But sleep, yeah. A lot of it was um, night night terror, for instance. That was written about the fact I would wake up at three or four in the morning for about six months. Like every other day, I was waking up at that time and starting to think about the record, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get up and and work on it. So I would yeah. get up at like four in the morning, go next door and and, and start writing on it. So a lot of them were quite quiet for that reason, because <laughs> my wife was sleeping at the other end of the flat. So I'd still, you know, it was all MIDI stuff and had the headphones on and things. So it was still pretty quiet. Um, but it was all a lot Absolutely of it, necessity right? yeah so a lot of it was written in the in the very small hours I, I, I'm not someone that can stay up late yeah like I won't you know start at nine and go to two three in the morning and I haven't got the stamina but I can get up early and work on it so a lot of it was done in, you know just getting up really early and then going to work so that's why there's, there's probably some of it's quieter than it's interesting, right? it sounds familiar, particularly with some of the writers that I've interviewed um, when they're coming to near to the end of their next book, um, they often have to get up, you know, just, well, I am awake now, I have yeah. to get up and deal with yeah, what's yeah. in my head, because I just, you know, there's no point otherwise, and then, of course, once it goes, then, then that day goes, the night terrors, as you yeah, yeah. call them, go as well. Yeah, it, was, it just became a bit of an, obs an obsession, and I, in, the, in the best possible way, because I don't think I would have kind of got it finished otherwise. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting yeah. as well, you know, you, say, you mentioned the Miles Davis track, and how mm. probably nobody's going to hear that in the record, um, but again, having spoken to other people, you know, I've spoken to folk who have maybe made very gentle acoustic records and they've said, yeah, the spirit behind this is the Stooges or something yeah. really weird like that, you know, because it doesn't necessarily have to relate into what you play, but it might be what you're listening to at the time. It's just a trigger. It's just yeah. something that's going to kind of set you off. So, yeah. yeah, so I think, so that, excuse me, um, Richard Hawley and his arrangements, there's a guy that I used to play guitar for called... Uh, Pat Whelan is a good friend of mine. He plays a, uh, his outfit's called Welfare. Right. Now, who's amazing? Um, but he's he's the, he's the best arranger that I've ever heard, and he's all about space. And everything's got its little its little nook, and no, nothing clashes. Nothing kind of gets in in the way of something else. So that was always in the kind of in the back of my mind as well. So, um, yeah. So other influences, other. I mean, even if you know they're not explicit like that stuff that you had been listening to before. It's know. definitely a bit sort of Zuma, 
era Neil Young yeah. in there. Yeah. And got all the fire on the moon. Yes. So the solo was kind of as undeniably a Neil Young esque <laughs> solo. And it was like, how do we make this sound like like Southern Man? How do we kind of mm. how do we get that? How do we get that tone? And that was the that was the whole idea for that. So yeah, so he, that's definitely in there. Um, I'm trying to think what else to be honest. Is that what you often do? You know, you would be here um, a a drummer, an individual drummer. Say, yeah, I want that drum sound on the record. Or are you here a string arrangement? You say, no, that's the kind of thing I want on. Not not as much as I used to. I think I used to kind of that whole um, where homage kind of creeps over. Creeps. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. was a, I think I probably got to that uh, when I was a bit younger. So yeah, not not so much of that to be honest. Um, but yeah, there's probably little little hints at it. Uh, Ryan Adams is always kind of mm-hmm. in there I guess Fleet Foxy's first couple of records the second album in particular I became obsessed with yeah. during the boss we were doing this and I used to because um, I hadn't sang all that much for a while before we started doing this as well and I kind of wanted to push my voice as much as mm-hmm. I could as well so I, before I would do vocals I would rack up three or four of their songs on Logic and record their vocals on top or you know, I would, I would I would sing the line to try and warm up and stretch my voice. Oh, right, that's really interesting. My voice is nothing like. Um, it's not bad. Made it there, <laughs> but um, it's completely you know it's a completely different range. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, so yeah, so that's a bit of it's probably a bit of Thick Fox's DNA in there somewhere because yeah. Yeah, I could see it. that definitely, and I think uh, and uh, some of the Ryan, Ryan Adams as well. Um, someone else I thought you sounded a bit like is a Edinburgh musician. Blue Rose Code, do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Some, someone else said that. To I, someone, someone said that to me ages ago. I've, I, yeah, I have listened to stuff, but mm. yeah. There's an album out this year, uh, which was one of the long listed um, yeah. Scottish Army of the Year was The Water of Leith. Yeah, it? yeah. It's a terrific record. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. I have listened to it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. Um, is there any, any one that people said, yeah, it sounds like this, and you just go, no, it doesn't? Oh, there will have been. Um, I can't think what it yeah. is off the top of my head. There's a couple where it's, that I've raised an eyebrow. Yeah. Like, really? Okay. <laughs> okay. No, I, I, I read a, an interview with you where you said someone described it as soft rock. Oh yeah, uh, that was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly fell off my chair. It was like what? No, it's really surely, surely not. Well, um, it got me thinking about the term, and again, it's a terrible. American radio term adult orientated rock yeah, yeah. but actually this is a very adult orientated album in that sense because I think the themes that it does deal with um, will, will be as you say it's folk maybe looking back and looking out and reflecting and I think what's interesting as well about recent political movements I think it's only now that people are doing exactly that there was an initial reaction say to uh, Brexit and mm. the, uh, the Scottish uh, referendum as well that uh, was um, visceral and uh, um, and I, it's either visceral or non-existent yeah. they were the two things that happened mm. now I think they're a proper reflection on it and just what yeah there's been enough time passed yeah, but time to kind of analyse it a little bit uh, and it's coming up in in, a, in all sorts of art forms I think now I think yeah I, I think probably everyone in their aunt has got a Donald Trump bashing song on their records at the minute as well and I think in Bongs that's on that was written in the week that he it was written in the week that he was elected and it was recorded the week that and it was only by chance that we booked it to do the vocal or to, to do the session and it was recorded 
the day that he was inaugurated. Right. And I, I couldn't use the tick because I was like, it's too angry. <laughs> it was, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. The the, the vocal, I just it didn't sound. It sat out from the whole really? the whole record. So I ended up redoing the vocal at home and doing something doing something a bit. That's interesting. I would go back and listen to that now. Yeah, I, I would be interested to listen to that actually. Um, I mean, I guess that's that, that kind of immediacy of what you're, I'm talking about, that, you know, sometimes it's uh, it's too raw for people to go over, you know, for, yeah. so um, a bit of time is perhaps uh, no bad thing. Um, so what are your kind of hopes for, for this record? Is that an impossible thing to ask? Cause, you know. <sighs> that it's, that it does well enough that I could do another one. Yeah. It was always the kind of, that was the hope at the beginning, yeah. it, to be honest, that... Um, yeah, that it was it was successful enough that it would justify doing doing another one and kind of going going as kind of deep into it as I did with this one. Yeah, that I could kind of do being able to again. do it to the same level. Yeah, to do it to the same level, and because because uh, I kind of financed it all as well, and yeah. I, it was you know this this me that's put it out and it's me that's sort of paid for all the, the sessions and stuff. And my wife's been amazing and kind of went right, go and do go and do what you need to do. But I think it had, you know, for it has to be successful enough to kind of justify of course. doing that kind of thing again. And then I think the the reaction to it so far has been has been pretty great. Yeah. To be honest, it's been it's been really nice, and particularly for yourself um, and the BBC Scotland have been yeah great. With some great people well. at BBC Scotland that in yeah. terms of Scottish music, it's really supportive. I have to say that. And I think particularly for for songwriters. And, yeah. Um, like Roddy Hart and Ricky Ross and Yams are great. Like they are, they really kind of get get behind you. So they they've been amazing. And I think it's it's kind of surpassed some of my expectations already in terms of yeah. what it's, in terms of what it's achieved. Um, so it'd be like yeah, if it kind of it'd be nice for it to take a, another step forward. Yeah. We're gonna, there's going to be another single, right? Um, and then because my wife is pregnant, that that will be it. And I'll be kind of wrapping it up <laughs> yes. for a while. This is it's the yeah the, the the gigs this weekend is going to be the, it's the shortest tour, uh, possible I think we've done yeah it's like a three or oh, yeah three or four day tour and then that would be it. We'll when when did you last put out a record? I did an EP about four years ago. And in that time, I mean, even in that short time, have you noticed differences with how music is handled and dealt with and put out there and? Um. I guess what I'm thinking of is I've been doing the music reviews now for a long, long time, and there's no doubt that um, the folk who organise um, promotion are more yeah. kind of on the ball than perhaps they used to be. You know, like a badge of friendship's a good example. I think they're very yeah. good at getting yeah, stuff yeah. out there. I think they're very good at, at people that are at a particular level yes. as well, and that, are, that maybe don't have an awful lot of kind of. Uh, pre-existing press or backing, and then they're good to kind of crack open those those doors right at the yeah. beginning. I think. I, I think there's that. a lot of good. I know you put this out yourself, but there's quite a lot of good small indie labels that have really you know thought about how they're going to put music out there in a, a different way. I, I, yeah, there seems to be a lot of that in Scotland yeah, specifically. And I think because I live in London as well, obviously I've kind of apart from that. Yeah, no, there's a very healthy so. scene, um, I, and I think you know. The people that are doing that um, know the people on the radio yeah. and are doing that, and know the folk who are, you know, booking the gigs, and, and it, it is kind of very healthy at the moment. It's, um, been really, it's been really nice to kind of do this over the last over the last year and kind of rediscover that as well, because mm. I have been doing more and more 
up here and kind of coming back and doing gigs and stuff as well. So it's been really nice to kind of get get back into it on this side of things. So how have you um, found um, the whole process of of making a record and getting it out there in the present day? Uh, the process of making it, I I loved every yeah. I've loved every bit of it, and I think out the whole thing there was one one session that was just a little bit tough that just didn't happen and I think that was just through tiredness it was one piano session we were like oh it's just not it's not working and the rest of it was a blast so everyone that kind of came in to work on it all you know even the early starts and, and all the rest yeah. of it has been has been great the kind of getting out side of things um, I'd given it from the point that it was mastered I gave it six months to try and find a label to put it out before I made the decision to to do it myself so that was that was a different thing I hadn't put myself in front of labels for a long long time and when I was like 21 and sending out demos sure sure um, to actually go back to to labels and say alright this is is what I'm doing what do you think and even that for all no one eventually picked it up it was it was nice the the feedback that I got from the particularly the Scottish labels that I got in touch with yeah um, they were all really positive and they were all saying oh we, we like it and we would like to do something but our cards fully, yeah. fully stopped or I've already got my plans for this year but contact this guy mm-hmm. I like it he's a really nice guy over here yeah. if you contact him he might be able to do something that's very interesting because that's my experience of the Scottish music scene yeah. people it's very supportive yeah. incredibly supportive in that way that's really interesting I was I, you know, I won't name names and stuff no. but um, there was there was one label that I got in touch with and they were like I really want to do it but um, our, our, my books full, you know, and a lot of these guys are doing it in their spare time mm-hmm. as well, like the like the artists, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. You know, I don't think they're you know getting paid a great deal of money for it as well. So for them to actually take something on is quite a big, quite a big undertaking. So he was like, well, I don't think I can do it myself. I'm going to contact this other record label and see if we can put it out between us. Yeah. And then they had to, they had too much on as well. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, well, it's nice to get the feedback. Yeah. Anyway. No, absolutely. Um, so I think that, yeah that that was quite kind of boldening mm-hmm. for, for a better expression and in terms of kind of making the choice to stick it out myself that process has been interesting mm. I think but you know but most people are doing that as well I yeah. like I'm, I'm not like I'm particularly special doing it myself but I think there's there's so much there there's so many artists that are putting stuff out and to try and crack through that it's very very, very difficult. Very difficult yeah absolutely um, and even when you know you've kind of created something that is of a, of a high standard or like from a production point of view it's of a high standard that can kind of, can kind of do something um, it's difficult to kind of break through break through the noise a bit um, like, so that's why people like Badger Friendship are really good um, and again BBC Scotland are, they, mm. they really do they will hold up unsigned acts as well yeah. and give them give them a platform so. um, in terms of outside Scotland um, have you thought about that as you see you're based in London have you been kind of putting it around record stores yeah we've done it I mean Rough Trades Rough Trades are also very supportive I think yeah yeah they've, they've, they've been great they did, they, they did some of them in the last EP as well but they've they've been really nice so we're doing an in-store thing we did a little in-store gig with them in November mm-hmm. um, which would be nice and in terms of promoters down there again because it's so big so many promoters and a lot of them have kind of you hear bad reports yes about promoters as well and I'm lucky enough that there's, there's one guy that I work with now that books my gigs down there and I don't know if I would work with anyone else to be honest because yeah. he's so because he's, he's great like 
I think that side of things is something even up in Scotland that uh, not everyone is happy about. There are some great places, there are some not so great places, yeah. you know, in yeah. terms of how they treat their artists and how they expect them to put up front. The whole pay-to-play thing yeah. is just, uh, I, I, did, I did one of them a few years ago. There was a, uh, there's a guy called Steve Craddock that plays with Paul Weather. He's, the he's Ocean Colours yeah. thing, yeah. And he was doing a gig. And this promoter got in touch and said, oh, do you fancy supporting them? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, I know. Mean, I, I am a fan of his, his stuff. Um, but I didn't know it was like a the way they pitched it to me was very much not what the gig turned out to be and they thought they were putting on this little mini festival in a club yeah. somewhere and there must have been about 14 bands on to support Paul Weller's guitarist wow and we all had to sell 50 money. tickets yeah and it was just like ah oh, this is uh, this, this, this is horrible this is close to being a scam yeah. basically so, so I, yeah I, I did that once and yeah they were, yeah. They were good like, so I've got one guy that he, he's a kind of roots promoter. He does sort of fucking roots stuff. Um, and he did the, the, the gig on Thursday and he was amazing. Given, um, yeah, but you know, there's ambulances called and all sorts of stuff <laughs> at, this, at this particular gig. And I was in, I was in a, This is not in my remit. This is, yeah. Uh, and I was, I was a bit emotional, shall we say. Well, before, imagine. Uh, before, before the gig. And he was great. I was like, look, go away, take 20 minutes. If you want to cancel, cancel. If you don't, the gig and and he was he was absolutely brilliant. So it's really important I I think, think to have such people on your side. Yeah, I think if you if you if you find your sort of group that you like working with, I think it's yeah. Um, stick with it. So you certainly you're, you're a you've had good feedback even when you know people have politely said no, we yeah. can't do this for whatever reason, and you, and it has had good feedback in general. I've been mm. looking at some of the other uh, reviews and and, and uh, write ups. Um, how much I'm interested how much notice you take of that because you know in terms of positive and negative would you you know be mortally offended if someone went oh this is terrible no uh, no because I, you know I don't like everything yeah you know there's, there's yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. the stuff that people like I, just, I don't rate or whatever no, it's yeah. not going to be to everyone's liking and if it was it would be it was, you know yeah. it, no, no, probably applies it's pretty beige Anyway, I you know, agree with that. Thing, so. you know, it's just I was talking to uh, a writer recently, and they were saying that you know the early feedback on their debut um, book um, was sort of a lot of positive stuff, and he's like, "This is amazing! This was amazing!" And then he get hit by uh, you know whatever it was, a one star Amazon, yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that, and and uh, and he said it really, it didn't think it would ever knock me, but it really knocked me back. Yeah, there was there was one that the, the first album review that came through. Uh, again, I won't name names, but it was. Um, yeah, and it was it was a it was a generally positive review. Yeah. There was just a couple of statements in there that yeah. that kind of um, did get. I was like, I think they said niggle. Yeah, like, so <laughs> I was like, you know, it's it's all very good. It's it's hopeful in this, and and then uh, it sounds like a budget elbow. I was like, well, if I had the budget of elbow, <laughs> you know what? You know what? What, yeah. what do you want? I think um, that's probably. Um, a positive thing because he's saying you sound like elbow but probably done on a percentage of them yeah exactly so there's a, yeah so I, I um, in terms of how the, I think there was a couple of things that, like, again it's probably the first time I'd had any kind of yeah. negative criticism about this yeah. about this record because it was the, you know we just we just put it out so I, I quickly got over that and my wife was very good at kind of going it's it's positive it's fine yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter and, no. yeah. but it's in, I, I just find it really interesting yeah. as someone who writes reviews yeah. that um Often you'll write something that uh, is 
positive, but you might say a little bit of that, and, little bit, and that is what the people often yeah, focus yeah. on yeah. and go, yeah. "Oh, what did you mean by that?" But uh, yeah, yeah, we've got to write what you Absolutely. think. Absolutely, and it's, it's interesting. It is interesting hearing other people take other people's takes on it. Um. Yeah. So what? Uh, well, I suppose you know, um, impending fatherhood is next for yeah. you. And you're probably not going to look much beyond that. But it sounds like you are, it sounds like after perhaps, a, you know, struggling a little bit to um, write music, and I think it's really interesting that you, it was perhaps linked to what was going on in the wider world, yeah. and that you've re, you know, you've fallen back in love with it, and yep. you know, uh, and re-engaged with it, and you're going to do that. Yeah, I, I, uh, it would be an awful shame to kind of lose the momentum that we have built with it certainly and to kind of go off and hibernate for a couple of years or yeah. kind of lose the lose the track with it so I have sneakily been trying to record an EP on the side and try and get that finished before Christmas so that I've got something in the tank next year that I can put out yeah. without having to kind of go away and because obviously I'm, I am literally going to have my hands full yes. for, the, for the best part yes, of next absolutely. year so, um, so yeah so I'm trying to get something done this side of Christmas that I can kind of put out and, and, and keep it going and I have kind of started to think about another album and kind of start blocking that in a little bit kind of what I want to do with it so. and with that in mind how do you now feel about uh, this record I mean uh, looking back on it now you think yeah that's what I set out to do or do you have uh, going oh maybe I could have done that or I could have done this um, I, I think honestly, I'm, I'm really pleased with it there's not anything there's nothing on it that I would change right. I think that's probably yeah is, is, that's is, just Positive thing I could say, but yeah. yeah, I, I, looking back on it, this mate, you know, is there anything production-wise? I don't, I don't know. I think um, no, I'm, I'm I'm happy with it all. I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything on it. So I'm satisfied with the the end result, and I'm, I'm very happy with the way it's been received so far from the people that have kind of got behind it. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I think before uh, we we finish up, because we're going to then hear Shahalian, which mm. is the single that's out just now. Yeah. Um, but I've managed to get through this without being too gushy, I think. But uh, I absolutely adore this oh, record, I think it's amazing. Much. And so I really would recommend everyone to go out and uh, uh, listen to it because uh, for she, yeah, what's the title? So for She Who Hangs the Moon, it's a great yeah. title. <laughs> it was, um, there's a program, there's a TV show called Justified. Yes. It was based on an Elmore Leonard right. character. And I'm a big fan of Elmore Leonard's writing, and I love that TV show. And it was just a throwaway line. In the program about someone saying, "Oh, you know, uh, you you look at me like I hung the moon." And I just I just love that line, and it was yeah. very much. Um, and Elmore Leonard writes, you know, kind of crime. He does, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's you know, his, his books aren't necessarily that romantic, but the line I really loved, and um, and it was very much for my missus. Yeah. Um, for kind of support me all the way through it so that's kind of that's where it's come from fantastic well David all the best with the record and thank all the best with everything much. else yes thank you and all the best with tonight of course and um, before you hear Shahalian I just want to say that we will be back soon with somebody completely different cheers warm blue skies for me
Tree.